is a beautiful day. It is a new day. Unfold with Robert Louis. Unfold with true thoughts. Today, we are together. We are unified and on one accord. But today on this program, you will hear music, 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 music. We know that music is music. Unfold with true thoughts. Unfold with Robert Louis. We here to represent that truth to all of y'all so y'all won't get misled. Does it sound good? Yeah. Does it feel good? Yeah. If it sound good and it feel good, then it's musical. So play it like I say play it. Good face, good face. You're listening to... You're listening to... One BTM. Love, I guess that's where it's at, where everything's at. Wow. Yes, me. On my way to the 
you're well it's unfold radio true thoughts to our takeover i'm robert louis hope your week's been good and um thanks for joining us on the show this week and uh really enjoying the fatima album on the ever excellent eglo records make sure you check that album in full i think that's one of the um vinyl bonus cuts It's a great album, great producers on there and Fatima sounding real good. Highly recommended. So we've got a good show lined up. We've got um, Sly Fifth Ave popping into the Unfold Studios. He was um, in London doing a gig at the Jazz Cafe. This week just gone, which went down really well. By all accounts, I was doing my Club Night in Brighton Sonic Switch, so I couldn't make it. But heard good things about it. And um, yeah, Sylvester, aka Sly Fifth Ave, popped down to Brighton. And um, yeah, we had a little chat with him. So we got that coming up in the show. Chatting about what it's like to perform versions of Dr. Dre's tunes in front of Dr. Dre in LA, talking about um, his sort of musical journey, including working with Prince, some amazing uh, information there, and um, also talking about um, America at the moment, Trump, Kanye West, and um, putting us onto some good 
tunes coming out of the USA as well. Very interesting conversation. Plus, we've got the musical selections coming as well. In the background, the Lewis Express. Love Can Turn a Man on um, Atta Records 80A, which is a great label. I think based in Yorkshire. Well, we're checking out the stuff they put out. Quite varied, but very good quality. We've also got music coming up from Malcolm Cato, a little um, classic from his uh, Mowax album. Music from Mac Miller. Music from Herbert, recent reissue. Music from Carl Craig from um, the orchestral album. And um, music from Debbie Gibson, who you may know from back in the late 80s or mid 80s, was a sort of teeny pop, pop star. But um, uh, Masters at Work did a great house remix of um, one of her tracks. And uh, yeah, I was just uh, going through some vinyl before Sonic Switch last weekend and um, pulled that one out to play. So I'm going to drop that more uh, on that deeper soulful end of house music than uh, teeny bop music. So yeah, mentioning Sonic Switch, big up everybody who came down to the night last week we had a great session there as well big up all the dance floor crew there staying with all the eclectic selections so um yeah that's my night i do in brighton at the green door store underneath brighton station takes place on the second saturday of every month you can um check it the next one is saturday the 10th of november do a five-hour set there from 11pm till 4am. It's free entry, mixing up the music, mixing up the styles. That's Sonic Switch, second Saturday of every month in Brighton, my club residency. And of course, keep up to date with what we're doing at True Thoughts on the website, TRU Thoughts, and across various social media, including um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify and Apple Music. We curate playlists on there. And um, I, the radio show, of course, goes up on the True Thoughts Mixcloud page as well each and every week. And... Um, put the full playlists of the radio show and archived on my website Robert Louie R-O-B-E-R-T-L-U-I-S and I'm down with uh, Twitter Instagram if you're down with any of those you can say hello do the follow Robert Louie on both of those and also I've got my own um, Mixcloud page where I'm archiving the DJ mixes from the show just on their own without any talking on there so yeah check that out as well so um we're going to leave this one running in the background wildlife phase one part two on research records and then we're gonna drop some music from sly fifth ave his version of california love featuring cory henry from the the invisible man an orchestral tribute to dr dre album which came out on true thoughts 
and then we're going to get in and have a little chat with Sly Fifth Ave as well. So keep it locked in. Unfolds.
You're listening to You're listening to 1BTN 1BTN
So you're listening to True Thoughts, and I'm joined in the Brighton studio by Sly Fifth Ave, aka Sylvester. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Not bad. Not bad. So yeah, you're in in uh, the UK at the moment, and um, yeah, we just thought we'd get you over and to have a little chat about, but your, your history of um, you know where you've come from for music and what you're doing at the moment as well. So. Um, yeah, let, let's start at the beginning. Um, uh-huh. you're, you're a producer, but you're also a multi-instrumentalist. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. And so how, when did you get the bug of music? How, how old were you when you were? Um, I'd say I always liked uh, musicals, Disney type things or, or whatnot, and just gravitated towards it. And uh, especially the saxophone, like watching the Blues Brothers and stuff like that. And then one day I had the opportunity to... Uh, pick it up in middle school and then I chose to take art because I didn't want to be a nerd and then about six months into the year that I was supposed to start playing saxophone I was like I made a terrible mistake I'm supposed to be playing saxophone and begged my parents to give me a saxophone and then um yeah I guess I was 11 years old started playing saxophone in the, the band and then just got carried away from then on <laughs> so obviously with with, with you I, I think the first link up um i got through you was through quantic um and so i sort of know you for these orchestral things know that you played the sax and all of that i mean from the music that i hear when, when did you get i know there's always journeys when you're a bit younger but with the music that you're making at the moment mm-hmm. when were you getting maybe into for one for better word, the deeper aspects of things and what artists were you listening to to get you into yeah. you know, where you're at today um i would say when uh probably when i heard sweet from my dukes for the first time uh when i moved to new york i had i had just finished school and was studying um jazz performance and, and theory and stuff like that and so I had moved to New York with this idea of like I was just going to be a, a saxophone player and I, all I knew is I, I had practiced the saxophone I was just going to play saxophone um, and then I started hanging out at this place called the Clubhouse it was like a collective in Brooklyn of like 10 different musicians uh, Scene Denisha Denisha and Scene as okay. a band together um, and you know just a bunch of different like indie artists and that was the first time that I had ever been in a situation where somebody was um, sequencing music and we were like it was kind of just a free-for-all we'd go over there and they would say oh let's let's make something today I was like oh this is amazing and we got kind of the first like steps into production and then um, started to get into it and and finally got a little bit of equipment started to make myself and then one day heard sweet from my dukes and was like wow this is crazy I've never this is I've never heard anything like this like hip hop with the orchestra like this is the perfect way to marry these two things and then uh, got into that and got into arranging like really heavy and but through arranging came back to the production I was like wait this is like the same thing it's just like one is live and one's in a in a computer and and I would say like those combination of things like the clubhouse and 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 just having free reign the freedom to just kind of explore and try things out with recording and then um, and then like getting into arranging yeah it just kind of informed everything wow and i mean for me it's interesting because i heard the kendrick lamar cover um and then will um i was trying to get hold of it i think i don't know who i was trying to find it i I think maybe stuff was on soundcloud or something yeah but then it wasn't downloadable i don't think when it was on there yeah. I can't remember. And then Will had a copy of it, and he sent it to me. 
And I was like, oh, who is this? And then, so he must have known you by then, I think, because we were actually yeah. copies. So it's interesting you're talking about Sweet for Martins because Will Quantic was involved with recording the live version of that yeah. as well. So how did you two end up meeting that then? Uh, we did the Kendrick Lamar cover, and then uh, now a mutual friend, but at the time I had just met him, uh, B Plus from LA. He reached out um, on email, just like, yo, man, you have a fan in LA if you ever need anything. And then he was like, uh, I was blown away because I had never, nobody had ever reached, you know, I, like somebody from LA where I've never really been has thought to reach out. Like, that's awesome. Um, and then so I, like we stayed in touch. Then one day he's like, oh, do you know Quantic? Do you know Will? I was like, no. He's like, y'all should meet. And then he introduced us. And um, and then I, I like reached out to Will. Will was probably busy touring the world and making like a million records at the time. And then eventually, like a couple months later, he's like, actually, I need a saxophone player. And at the time, I was on the way out with uh, Prince. I was That had run its course. It was time to move on. And um, I was like, well, shoot, I'd love to do something different. Like, yeah, let's play saxophone. And um, yeah, we just kind of hit it off. We were like best friends from like the first moment. At first he was like, who is this? He looked at me because I came in like, oh, I'm so excited. And he's just like, okay. And then we were...
for a little while potentially talking about doing mm. stuff we, we didn't know what you were yeah. doing or what, what you had planned and then um, from our side then whilst we were discussing about signing you as well that the Dre uh, performance happened didn't it yeah so that that was going on as well so of course we put out the album The Invisible Man which is the cover versions of the Dre produced tunes yeah. but what was the beginnings of that um, the, the concept there what happened um yeah, uh, so Kendrick Lamar, and then I did. I just got into that habit because honestly, the first one that happened was um, I had just come home uh, from my first time out with Prince, and I was like, "Just going to pause you a second. We will talk about Prince. I've been everyone, you're casually named yeah, 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 Prince, yeah, there, which most people would <laughs> go, what? what, Prince.' But we will talk about right. that. Carry on with your story." <laughs> <laughs> We uh, I was like on a break from tour and like I was I had this like feeling just because I didn't know like whether I was gonna get 
you know, I was just, this was my first, I was just now starting to be a professional musician, figure it out, whatever. I was like, I have to record, record. And the Kendrick thing just kind of happened, like, on accident. Because I had always, like, I was, I was at the clubhouse making uh, tracks. But, like, it was always kind of like, I would always be like, oh, let's put, like, six horns on it or eight horns. And then I'd always be like, no, like, it just needs to be s- simple, you know, um, which is a lesson that I had to learn. But really, I just got my own computer and had I was like, you know what, I'm going to record a version of the song that's nothing but horns. And then the Kendrick track blossomed. And then after that, um, it did well. I was like, well, shoot, maybe I should stick with this. Like, I had fun doing it. Um, and I just kept doing more arrangements. Um, and I finally met Brian, who produced a suite for my Dukes with uh, Eric Coleman, like Mochilla, and this other guy, Andrew LaHarrell, the three of them. Um, and they knew that I was like chomping at the bit for like an opportunity to do something like that. And uh, the the opportunity to do the Dre thing came up. Like, um, like they had an idea. They were trying to raise some money for a music school in Compton. Like, well, what if we did like an orchestral tribute to Dre? Kind of like how we did for Sweet for my Dukes. And like, as soon as they asked me, I was like, yes, absolutely. I would love to do that. And yeah, then for four months, I just didn't do anything didn't do anything but that my relationship suffered my personal life so it was just it, laser focused because it was also like I was learning at the same time like as I was doing it like researching like sure you can arrange for strings I can voice a chord but like to know like, like how to like arrange for strings and like what's going to sound good and like the limits of what they can do so you can like pull out all the different sounds and textures that you can get from them like it was all it was just four months of just like learning and redoing and and trial and error and then it it came together and then I was like all right now I feel like I can arrange a little bit like cool 30 Dr. Dre songs so and how is it performing because obviously Dr. Dre was there was it nervous thinking that he's going to be there it was really nervous because I was definitely in a position to where I, I felt uh, I had a lot to prove. I think I still, you know, I'm, st- I'm st- still new to like music and everything. Uh, like in that situation, it was just like I knew what Miguel did. It was so amazing. I was like, I just, you know, it was just the people kept saying like names like, okay, who chance is going to play drums? I didn't even have time to like process like who Ndugu Chancellor was and all the legendary stuff he, he did and like Bernie Morrell's gonna play keys and I didn't even have time I was just like I was more nervous of just like oh my god I hope these arrangements work and like cause everybody kept saying to me like it's Dre the drums have to be right like the drums have to be smacking and I just kept being like oh my god if this is it like cause I didn't want it to be like this orchestra thing of it's real cute and and like dainty like it needed to be like you know I wanted to have that like because it could be I mean over here we'd call it easy listening and yeah there's, if you go too far in that it's just elevator music or different music it's possibly say but it's keeping the soul element isn't it which is what you yeah. wish to do as well so yeah did, did you get to meet Dr. Trey did you yes yeah, so he was, yeah. 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 I met him he was cool he was nice he shook my hand he talked to me for a second which he didn't have to do because um, he's straight and then like the most impressed the, the craziest thing um, he was there for the whole first set and I, and I didn't even know he was there because that would have probably messed me up if I would have saw him okay. before but we did the first set and like we finished the first set and I was like yeah and then I turned to my right I was like 
whoa, like that's Dr. Dre. And then, uh, but then he stayed. Like I'm thinking like, he's like, all right, cool. He saw a couple songs, great. He's probably gonna go do whatever he's gonna do. He walked down before the second set and he sat right in front of my mom in like the second or third row and, and stayed him and his whole crew like thugged out dudes from Aftermath were sitting in this orchestra hall for like the next hour they stayed for the entire set which was crazy I didn't I never even thought that so it was cool he heard it yeah and it's impressive I mean we, over the years we've had plenty of cover versions on the label but I think just to you know almost to get someone who you know there just giving that seal of approval with what you've done and I mean obviously you would say it takes a great amount of effort to do what you've actually done I think you I, I'm not musical in understanding musical notes and all, but you know, just the levels I can understand of what you know, it takes to do that. It's not this, you know, simple, yeah. let's do a simple cover version of something, it's, it's deep what you did. So, yeah. Trying to make it as <laughs> deep as possible. So, yeah, I mean, and for us, obviously, that was great. I mean, it, it, we, we had some, um, we, we were excited when we got the album and we're, we're, we're uh, uh, planning to put it out. and. Um, you know, we did double vinyl and it became the quickest selling to vinyl debut we've ever done on Truth Thoughts. I think sold out in just about a month as well, when, you know, the first pressing. So it's been yeah. really well received as well. So that's great. But that's not, um, we know you do you do all types of music as well. So that, that's, uh, uh, we'll talk a bit, little bit about that later. Let's reel it back a bit because you mentioned Prince. Yeah. So you played for Prince as well. So how did that mm -hmm. look happen? How did uh, also, well, I guess this was really well around the time all the things were happening in the clubhouse uh pro tools um and recording you know myself for the first time or whatever i was working with this guy phil lassiter who was uh living in new york at the time he's a gospel horn arranger just a horn arranger does works a lot in gospel um and he he kind of took me under his wing and showed me like how to record myself like just horns like how to do like a like a commercial horn arrangement um how to like voice like for two trumpets tenor trombone and barry and um and he he knew that i was like hard up and like working at, i was working at macy's selling rugs and he would give me like 50 dollar gigs i would go and sit with him in his apartment and he would just like walk me through it and we would record things but one time we did uh we did so we did a bunch of arrangements we racked them up and then uh we did a live one for one of his clients and the client wanted to videotape it and he videotaped it and put it online just to kind of advertise himself and then a week later uh he calls me he's like man i got some news i gotta tell you you gotta come over to my house i gotta tell you in person and then like it was this whole thing you know dramatic i went over there and he's like all right look at my wall he had this picture of Prince from Purple Rain that he always like it was in his living room like his kind of like uh, you know spiritual anchor or whatever and uh, he's like he called I was like what like it's like Prince called I was like you're, like you're lying and da -da. and then um, he's like okay so we gotta, I gotta put a section together but you have to play baritone and I didn't play baritone at the time and, and it, he's like you have to get one by tomorrow and you have to sound you have to come over here and play it for me so I can make sure that you can do this because like I'm not gonna just throw you in it if I don't because you know it's Prince like he's like if you can come with I want you to come with me but like I'm going so like if you're gonna hold me back you know um and so like somehow found the money to get a baritone went and got a baritone my boy was working at the music store and so he hooked me up with like 
a crazy discount. Um, got it, practiced all day the next day, played long tones, got it together, played for Phil. Phil's like, okay, you pass. We did this uh, audition tape, sent it to Prince. He's like, okay, I like it. I'm going to fly y'all out next week. We're like, shit, we're going to play for Prince. Next week comes and goes, don't hear anything. He's like, all right, it's not going to happen this week. It's going to happen next week. That whole back and forth nonsense continued for like the next four months of like heartbreak and like thinking like we got it, like they forgot about this. Because it, it's like one of those things, like this is way too good to be true. Like I, I want to play with Prince, whatever. Um, then finally one day I'd either just like check your email and I had a plane ticket. And then the next two years was just like a whirlwind. Wow, so you did two years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the first time we went out there, we just had, I got the ticket in my email, got in. Only time, first time in my life I had ever flown first class anywhere. Had an Escalade pick me up from my house. And I'm living like with 10 other people in Brooklyn. Like we're poor as, can I say shit? No, okay. We're poor, we're very, very poor. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and like an Escalade pulls up, picks me up. Like we have to, there's like a strict dress code. I got on like, you know, shiny shoes, a shirt. And then, um, and I get picked up from the airport in this Escalade and, and dropped off. And we were there for a month. And nobody told us when we were coming home. They told us never to ask about money.
just for fun No wonder there's so many guns Maybe we're better off in space Mr. Nelson Mr. Nelson, can you hear my voice? Sir, we know you're a little bit groggy And you're probably going to find it hard to speak But don't try to talk or process too much now We just want to let you know that the medication you were given has put you in suspended animation for quite some time. Well, in fact, about 45 years. But where you are now is a place that does not require time. That being said, you are completely safe. And we're here to help you. To help you. you should never underestimate the power of Paisley Park is this? Or you yeah. oh, wow. We were at Paisley Park and the first time because there were two hotels, the country I'm a platinum member of the country and the tweets. Because uh there's one in Bloomington, but the band was staying at the one that was right next to Paisley Park, which is the one we eventually ended up staying in once we passed, I guess. Um but yeah, we'd be out there for a month at a time and we would never know when we were going home. So for for that two years, I basically just couldn't take other gigs because it would we were, it just yeah because i would always be like hey so i could take this gig but if i get a call five minutes before the gig that says get on the plane i have to go get on the plane because it's but, prince uh, yeah i don't know that's a, that's a long long story it was amazing it was crazy to be able to see um another to be able to see it to see the music industry from that side yeah it's a, it's a different level is it but, and also yeah. you're seeing the business side but also you're seeing yeah. really those once in a lifetime prints james brown michael jackson you're seeing real the genius aren't you you're close to yeah. that, that level is it you know not many people as musicians can you know get get to just be around that as well i, I think that was probably one of the best like yeah the greatest things that could have happened because it's like even if just to be able to see him and how he operated or to see like even at a concert like different jobs that people would do and you know how he would interact with fans or whoever you know just how people around him would interact and kind of just hearing through earshot like different whatever's that are going on I mean I had never it just opened up all the possibilities for what I thought that music could be that I hadn't thought about before was there an aura around him and do you get starstruck around or feel a bit 
nervous around that Yeah, I never got over that. Because okay. <laughs> my mom was a super, super, super duper Prince fan. Like, I grew up, I saw Under the Cherry Moon, Graffiti Bridge, uh, Purple Rain, like, once every other weekend, my mom had those on. My mom had Prince books. She had DVDs. She had records and like I knew I remember like the first time I heard Kiss I was like why is he singing like that why is he dressed like that he's dressed like a woman mom like he's Prince he's sexy it's fine you know um so like yeah the first time I saw because we were at Paisley Park rehearsing for a week because he liked to play mind games we were there rehearsing for a week before we ever saw his face and I remember like there were 11 horn players and one of the horn players accidentally stumbled upon him and I was like we were all jealous like I want to see him. Like, I want to know that this is real, you know. Um, and then the first time he walked in, he had, like, a fro. And I had never seen him like that. So I was, just, I like, froze. I was, like, it's like looking into the sun, kind of, like. And uh, But, yeah, like, and every time he came around, like, it, it was amazing because he would command this, like, attention. Like, he would, if people were messing around in rehearsal or whatever, as soon as he walked in the room, everybody was, like, and like not because like they thought it's just because they knew they couldn't like there was no yeah. no like it had to be perfect it had to be it had to be worthy of because this is a, I mean look at what he's yeah. done like it's Prince yeah. that's all you have to say is it's Prince and everybody knows what you're talking about it's like it's Prince why is it so good it's Prince like why is it his band's so good it's Prince like so I bet your mom couldn't believe it either could she no, she started <laughs> screaming. They were like, they were, yeah, they were, they were, they flew out to Chicago for the first show. And I remember, yeah, the first show, like, we had been rehearsing for a month. And then the first show was in front of, as at the United Center for like 20,000 people. I had never performed for more than like 500 people, maybe. There's 20,000 people, and like, you're, you feel like the rumble in your chest like when you walk onto that floor you're just like what is going on and um it was weird we were kind of hazed a little bit because they had us the horn section on these risers like a hundred feet away from the stage and so we were <laughs> trying to hear and play and phasing but we passed so. and I met Maceo that night that was pretty cool he was cool we hung and Played a little bit, and he was like. Um, so, so when was that? What year was that? I think it was 2000. Shoot, I don't really know. 2000. Uh, I was 12 or 13. 2012, 13. Like five years ago or something like that. But so quite, I mean, really, for you, quite a lot has happened, hasn't it? In between, I mean, we at, at, at True Thoughts, quite often we're used to dealing with artists who are very new, and you're dealing with you know day one, and they've never released their music. From you know working with you, where yeah. we were immediately coming with all of this history, but maybe not so much that you focused on doing your own music and out in an album sense, and maybe your sort of your own creative sense as well. Um, you know, I suppose that's a new journey now that's going on, isn't it, for you as well? But you've mm. done some amazing things already. <laughs> I was lucky because I think if uh, if the timing worked out any differently, like I would have never maybe discovered that because I had just I had just before that had ever happened, I had re resolved like because I was in New York just getting my butt kicked and like um, you know I, I was dating somebody. I had a friend at the time that really pushed me 
to like be better you know and so i was i had like resolved to hustle and like i remember i had like a box of cash under my mattress because i was waiting tables at this french restaurant i would just stash the cash i knew i had to save up two thousand dollars to be able to pay for studio time and pay me you know just to be able because i had this jazz record that i've been working on which um and i finished recording it right before i went before we got the call so it was already in the back so when we got the call then i was like oh now i can finish it because i have money to finish it and um yeah like i think i would have tried to do something different or i would have maybe yeah it would have it would have worked out different. I think it's really fortunate that like right before that call came, I had literally just gotten out of the studio. It wasn't mixed or mastered or anything, but like I had laid down the initial idea, so I could kind of see like what it was like. When, you know. And then after that, then that's when it really started to evolve. Like, oh, I can do this more because I have resources and I can, you know. So it's, I mean, it's great that you've done that. With, um, I mean, it sounds, and I can tell that from having worked with you already. You're, you're quite focused, and you're a hard worker. Music industry at the moment can be, you know, you've, you've obviously from working Prince, you've seen those highs. Yeah. That, uh, you know, if you're a superstar in a way, yeah. the world is very different. In an uh, indie level, obviously for us, it's, yeah. uh, it's a very different world. <laughs> but I mean, you, I, I think the one thing we've we've all really enjoyed about working with you is you seem just always very focused about the music and just even from talking to you away from the radio before this as well we were talking about the next music that you're doing which is in you know an interesting thing you've got more sort of electronic side of the yeah. you know, j- jazz thing as well but you're just deeply talking about what you're trying to achieve as a sort of musical vision uh, where, where do you feel are you feeling happy about where you're at at the moment after this i suppose this is your you know the first album you've done for us are you feeling yeah. positive about the way the music industry is and where you are you are in it and yeah, I mean, yeah, the, there's like a lot of unknowns and stuff. People are trying to figure out ways to make money and, and stay afloat. And I don't know. Uh, last thing I'll say about Prince, the one thing, he was like very, like he had a persona, a chic or whatever. But like I said, when he walked in the room, people knew that like they had to be serious about the music. Like he was always very serious about the music. And that's one thing that I like took from that. Because I was like, when I was, I was, I was really just grateful to be able to do it. Like, grateful to be able to to make it because I feel like not everybody my teacher told me this is like not everybody gets to do that not everybody gets to make music and people really want to some but not everybody gets that opportunity and I got it so I'm just like I just want to make music that's it like literally I wake up every day I'm just like what do I want to do I want to make music like right now like you know it's at the end of the day that's like every single day that's all I want to do <laughs> So, so you're—I mean—you're originally from Texas, and you've been living in New York now for nine years. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What is the? I have to ask about this. I know it's a music, music, music show that we do. What's the vibe in America? We, we, uh, for me, seeing from the outside with Trump in power yeah. and all of this, what, are, are you feeling? Is it? Is, uh, I know you call the album the Drake's uh, covers the Invisible Man, and mm-hmm. you were really trying to make. I suppose a sort of political connection about yeah. what's going on in the real world, as well as attaching that to the music that you're making. How are you feeling with someone like Trump in power? That is that affecting artists and the vibe about what's going on? Is it because there's someone so bad? Like, like, yeah, maybe. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Like, uh, I feel like people are like because 
you know, same thing that happened in Nazi Germany. I'll make that connection because I think it's the same thing that's happening right now. Um, the um, people were just like, I can't believe this happened because I remember even before the elections, people were like, there's no way he's gonna get elected. And I, like towards the end, I was like, you know what? He might just do it. And like I remember that it came on. It's like he won, whatever. That and and all of the. the things and the policies and, and everything that's happening it's a lot to to deal with but the one um positive takeaway i think is it's woken a lot of people up even myself like i was definitely coasting um i wasn't necessarily paying attention to the news it wasn't like so much worried about like what was going on just thinking i could be in my like little music bubble and 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 everything will be fine. Well, it's not <laughs> fine. And so I think like a lot of people are woken up. Like you see, you're seeing like a lot of, um, a lot more people reacting to like things that are happening in the ways of like making songs or, or hosting uh, seminars or, or just like encouraging people to register to vote, which is a really big problem um, in the States is voter registration and, you know, people having unnecessary roadblocks in between them and the polls intentionally. Um, it's not a coincidence. And um, I just think a lot of people are just really stepping up, you know, as much as they can. And don't, not everybody necessarily knows how or why, but people like want to and are trying like their damnedest to step up and just like, you know, because it's not really serving anybody, the current administration. It's serving a few people, but. And it's it's deeper than than, than, than just the one president, you know. Like yeah. the problem is not just oh Trump got elected. All of a sudden we have this problem. It's like no, he it's just put a magnifying glass on it because Mike yeah. Pence is the same, but he he would be quieter about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It just happened, and we'd all ignore it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's not even that it's not even so much that it was Trump because honestly, like is Trump the worst compared to some other people and what they would do, like Mike Pence or whoever else? It's like. No, but he just has the least amount of class, you know. So people see that, um, and 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 that it's more alarming to them because all of a sudden it's not something that they can excuse as easily. Like they can't just they can't write it off as a conspiracy theory anymore because it's it's right there for you to see, and it's like not even it's like in plain sight, just out there, flagrant, belligerent. And you know, I know I'm in England. Um, I'm. I'm proud to be from where I'm from, proud to be from the States, and, like, I support, you know, I'm not planning on moving anywhere. Yeah. I'm, you know, but, um... Do, do, you, yeah. do, do you think, um, in, in England, at times where there's been almost the real sort of conflict that's gone on with here and, you know, poverty or working class being middle class being you know squeezed by the upper class so sort of 79 when 77 79 when punk happened and then around 87 88 89 where the rave scene happened in the house scene which went on to uh, the jungle scene as well but it, a lot of there was a, almost a feeling similar uh, to what's going on in the UK now where it just feels a little bit crazy but uh, in the music scene it, uh, the UK was living some of its most interesting music and there was just groups of people just alright we're not we, we, 
we're, we're against this system, but we're just making our own th- things and parties and all of that that was going on. Is that, do, you, do you feel that creativity is, is coming through in America? Does it feel like there's a vibe, or is it a feeling of, oh gosh, this is just doom and gloom, there it's restricting the creativity of artists and what's going on? No, I think, yeah, I think it, it, if everything was sunshine and rainbows, I think the music would be boring. Yeah. It would be super boring. And, uh, you know, not to, not to say that we shouldn't strive for sunshine and rainbows because world peace and all that one, like everybody having food in their bellies and healthcare, all those those that would be great. Um, but yeah, like the, I think people just feel really inspired as much as they're just absolutely. Everybody feels despair and like, you know, I don't speak for everybody, but like I definitely felt despair and like kind of like hopelessness. Um, as much as that is there, I think there's also an equal amount, if not more, of inspiration or like a feeling of people just, like I said, just wanting to like get up and, and so it just, I think it fuels that creative energy and like um, I see communities come together or starting to come together a little bit more than, than they may have previously, you know, just just like, alright, we're going to do a women's march or we're going to host a seminar on equal rights or what, you know, just like a so also I'm, I'm gonna mention it that Kanye West what do you think about that situation because for me personally I, I was saying to you earlier I, I'm a huge Nas fan and I'm you know I haven't listened to the Nas album because Kanye produced beats and it really concerns me that I feel he might have some right intentions but what he's doing is really ca- causing issues but I mean that's me from the outside being mm-hmm. in the UK I'm curious about what you think of is that is it a problem with Kanye embracing you know marrying in America make a, make America great again How, or is it you know just one of the many things that are going on and craziness that's going on in America? I want man it, this one breaks my heart because I I like this is okay it's gonna be a little long winded I'm trying to get to it quick You've got plenty of time so that's fine <laughs> but like uh, like I guess like. I've always liked, uh, I've always been a fan of hip hop. Like I grew up with it and like, and I, I grew up in the suburbs of Texas um, in Austin, like right outside of Austin. So I didn't necessarily grow up in like a hood or ghetto. Like my parents were middle class. Like they came from that background, but they enabled to where I didn't have to grow up that way. And so um, I'd always been a fan of, of like rap and hip hop and when Kanye came out like I was telling somebody last night like I felt like like he was like I'm like yo this dude's rapping about college like late registration da 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 whatever like like he's like being different like he's he's not like thugged out like he's wearing like polos I mean not to say that you need to be bougie or anything but like I just remember like as like a 14 year old kid or however old I was I was like man Kanye is amazing like and his flow was sick and his beats were sick and like just the way that he used different instruments like me being like a, you know somebody from like just being into all these these different sounds and like like I remember I had just started to discover my first like rock records and things that like I necessarily didn't necessarily want my friends to know that I was listening to because like you know we were moving like through the hip hop age from like this binary like black music white music into like everything's kind of fused together and so like for me to find my identity kind of I would say kind of kind of helped me find that a little bit um and like I really 
connected with like all the music that he was making um and then i guess then it just it started to blow up and and i, I guess he started to read his liner notes and I, he just kept doing more and more outlandish things and in my mind i'm just like man kind of you got the opportunity like you have the the privilege to like be able to make music like that you want to make and people are listening to this like you know why are you just serving yourself constantly you know and then i mean so it just like really breaks my heart because like i see him now and i'm just like no that's not okay it's not okay for you to wear america america uh great again hat and for you to walk around talking about slavery was a choice that's offensive that was it was not a choice you know um i i want to give him credit and maybe at one point like i really tried i'm like you know what maybe kind of just on to something like maybe he like is really like th- maybe he's just like that much of a genius to where i just can't see it and, like i tried so hard but i'm just like no this is just somebody that just needs attention and at the expense of of so many people like and it's it's not even it's not even um it's not even like he's is he like he can say those things and he can sell more records but it it doesn't exist in the vacuum like he's not just saying that and like somebody's feelings are hurt it's like that that's influencing policy at this point like and that's empowering like this whole group of people that is seeking to like keep uh minorities and women like in this very specific place and and you know it's it's preventing progress and 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 First of all, it's just, I just don't agree. make America great again. What does that even mean? When America great, make America great. Oh, like in the 50s when we enjoyed all this prosperity as a result of World War II, but, you know, the boom and in, in, in economy and whatever, and like people were buying houses and moving to the suburbs and, and the economy was flourishing because we're like, you know, only 70 years removed from slavery. We just had this huge influx of cash and people are doing good but like i can't vote i can't uh if i try to go vote i might get killed uh i can't eat lunch or here um you know um or or all the the secret goings on in cuba and nicaragua and uh the united states government was doing and funding drug with funneling drugs into the communities and like killing us like with crack cocaine like systematically placing it there funding this war over here and like just all these shady things like was that when america was great was america great when like oh the 1800s when like a very small percentage of the population enjoyed like this crazy prosperity but you had this endless supply of free labor that's when America was great. That's when everybody's pockets were were big. Like, when was America actually great? When did America do what it purported to do in the, the Declaration of, of Independence? And, like, you know, up until recently, I thought we were moving in that direction. And I support that. Like, I support us making America great like, like we could be, like we set out to be, you know, in that document, which is 300 years old, which we, some, you know, but I don't think that we that document only had a certain population in mind and I don't yeah I think that Kanye is misguided you can have a difference in politics you know even you know at school and growing up I can have friends who are you know thinking one way or the other or 
it just feels at the moment there just seems to be it's so serious what's going on we've got over here a brexit thing and mm. it's very similar to uh, what's going on in america because there's seems to be a Russian influence that's gone on here that no one here is facing into with uh, uh, fixing the election uh, uh, in that side as well but it feels for me for the first time in my life where it's not necessarily you know we're, we're in this country we've had Thatcher and who divided people but it seems a lot more serious that it does look like you just said it feels comparisons to Nazi dictatorships and all of that and we, we get every step we're getting closer and closer to that that you have to take sides one way or the other and I feel I suppose that's my view with not you know i'm struggling when i'm seeing you know djs that i like playing Kanye west new stuff because i'm thinking are you really thinking about what you're doing you're maybe you're promoting someone at the moment who is saying some stuff that is really going to affect a lot of people you know in the, in the long term potentially as well so i don't know i've, I've got a view on music i come from public enemy where i learn about things that i would you know yeah. never learned at school because of public enemy and you know music is education and it seems slightly worrying and things like this okay I'll tell you about it. Yeah. yeah i hope i hope yeah i just feel like he could use his powers for good right because he's so talented and I just, I just, you know, you can't. I've never been in Kanye's shoes. I don't know what it's like to have that much money and and have that many people. Like, all, I'm sure you can't walk out in public. It must be. You worked with Prince, didn't you? Prince, yeah. you could see what was going on behind the scenes. There was empowerment. As much as people may have taken, you, you know, not quite understood when he put slave on his face but prince was about i want ownership i want uh you know, this is what the record label's doing you know there was a more serious level of you know the world going on with everything that he was doing wasn't he as well so yeah, yeah. actually you know what i take that back i won't make any excuses for kanye because prince is like more of a legend than um than kanye will ever be unless he gets his act together <laughs> prince prince has more records than anybody yeah and half of them we don't even know about. Like for as many records and thousands and thousands of songs that we know about, he has thousands and thousands of songs that we don't know about. And he was partnering with Van Jones and was it was just using his influence to make a difference as much as he could, like in a positive way. But hopefully, look, life is a journey as well, isn't it? So you hope with someone like Kanye or people, it's like you he'll come out of the other side and maybe see the light for want of a better word but you uh, just don't know but it's, it's anyway look as we said there's there's a good good sort of vibe going on at the moment just to bring it back to music and current music what's going on are, are there any artists that you're currently feeling or songs that you're currently feeling or what, what, yeah. what what's what's worth checking out that you can recommend artists or particular tracks or mm. Nick Hakim it's incredible uh, Gabriel Garzon Montano one of my favourites um and I just found this band, Radiant Children. I'm not sure where they're from, but I was I, I'm watching some TV show and their song came on. And I was like, what is this song? This is a, it was called uh, Life's a uh, Life's a B. Life's a B. <laughs> Life's a B. <Okay. laughs> That's what it's called. In Brooklyn, um, there's this really awesome band um, called Phony People. And they're like a group, I think maybe they're like all 24, 25 now, but they've been playing for like the last five years. They all grew up there uh, together and they're like a, a live hip hop band and they're about to put out their second full length record. And the first couple of tracks are amazing. Definitely check that out. Before You Get a Boyfriend is The Jam.
keeping distance It's not that I don't seek persistence But I like what this is, how I witness So I hope you don't look at it as me being different Cause you know I don't got no secret mission I reside between your thighs, maybe switch positions Now I'm looking eye to eye, I hear your thoughts listen Maybe I already love you and just won't admit it Maybe I fell in love with you the day I saw you Maybe you fell in love with me the night we did it Maybe you already love me and just won't spit it One thing I can say I love is how you ain't tripping Ain't tripping over the hoes, you're slipping under unknown Just kissing, rubbing your kitten, got fingers on in your uh Ain't dipping in with the old, just slipping out of the clothes And ripping out of the robe, just getting out of control Like, Ready to rock and roll, pop a spits what she got. She know how to scroll, all expenses paid, cause she paid a toll. And when I'm in the rush, she understands the give and go. The dominance is prominent, the mutual is crucial, yo. Put my metal in your microwave, so we can watch it glow. And if you need anything, don't hesitate to let me know. And I'll be there in the jiffy with the sniffy and the piffy. When it comes to you, I have not because I ask not. I'm spaced out, I'm an astronaut, letting time fly by and whatnot. But you never throw shade, though the sun hot. We don't need no sunblock, my closure blinker. Feel the love, we never speak of, while I get to know you deeper. While I mix the track, while you mix the margarita. While you stop the dance, while I'm turning up the speaker. No, I'm not that type to link up by the collar. Cause I'ma see another bad joint and wanna holler. But maybe we could build if it's not a problem. But either way, I just had to keep it honest like Listening to You're listening to One BTL. This is Sly Fifth Ave and you are listening to True Thoughts with Rob Louie.
so you're getting inspired. There's good music out there that you're feeling that is inspiring you as well. Yeah. And um, for you, what what type of music are you from? Sort of that. Are you, are you checking jazz stuff at the moment, like older stuff, you, to get vibes from? Or are you, are you what what are you listening to? Anything older styles or anything like that that you're currently vibing off? Or uh, yeah, well, shoot, always jazz. Uh, I don't. I get lately. I've been trying. I've been trying to get in the house. I've been feeling like this oh, need to get okay. into house. Like I uh, rediscovered like CC Peniston. Okay. Like you remember that song finally? Yeah, yeah. But like the the other cuts on that record are crazy too. And I like I was like, whoa, this is and then we played like a couple of like a couple live we played Vogue by Madonna Live or something. You know, like yeah. I'm like, okay, there's something like in here. Like yeah, I wanna kinda of, isn't it? It's that we like, I think as well. So yeah. <laughs> I wanna like explore like some more house music. I don't I feel like I don't know anything about that. But uh, yeah, I think it's good. You're, I think that's what I like about you. You're definitely super open-minded when it comes to music. And I think, at True Thoughts, all the art, you know, we have artists who may work within genres, but whenever I speak to them about music, they're just talking about loads of different types of music and then yeah. they'll go and make you know something as well but i think i i, I think that's what for me i'm i'm not a huge house fan but i definitely buy bits of house yeah. house music but i know whenever i go oh, i like that house tune and then you see a playlist you know if they've done a chart from that the person who's made it you always see some hip-hop or some funk and some yeah. stuff, you know it won't be just 10 banging house records in there as well i think that's the important thing is they just keep exploring and there's so much music out there as well isn't it so. it's, it's, <laughs> the more you know the more you know the more you can pull from to paint you know what what do you think how, um we're probably gonna have to wrap this up in a little bit i i, I just want to I'm, I'm curious now i'm asking when we have an artist in um we run a record label so we there is all that element of business and promotion and blah 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 and social media and all of that what what how, how do you feel as an artist and what, 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 what do you feel a pressure to do to be a persona on social media i know a lot of the artists that i speak to the label we try and say something you know don't buy followers try and figure out if you can do something on social media something that you feel comfortable with doing but don't try and do something that you can't do how do you feel there there is an innate pressure to present uh, your, uh, not you specifically yeah. or, or you can answer that but to, for artists to present themselves a certain way at the moment or are you just like oh, I'm just going to enjoy if I want to post something on Insta I'm going to where's your head at that time? yeah I guess I feel, well because like yeah I'm, I'm, this is like a very real thing like I'm uh, you know, I guess in the last five years like it's something that we've had to accept like it's part of the business now it's like a part of um, promoting yourself and like I've gone through phases and I look at different people but um, I think the thing that I found like yeah exactly like you said just like you just have to for me what works for me is I just post when um, like what feels natural like if I get like a good like if I'm at a cool rehearsal or like a moment that I want to capture like, I try to make it as much as possible me which sometimes means I'm gonna post regularly, but then I also see people that post like twice a day, and you know they they take, they do photo shoots just for Instagram, and they do video shoots just for Instagram, and um, I mean it works, you know. They like get followers; it's successful. Like it, it absolutely. That's one way to do it. I just don't feel like that. I don't feel like I'm. 
I feel like I should pay somebody to do that because my my energy is best. I, I, I think fit, you know there's an industry pressure with stats on spot, Spotify. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen a few of the grime artists in the UK saying, you know, we need to not get involved in the stat numbers. The business people want us to worry about YouTube views and Spotify numbers and the plays and all of that. And I I really agree with that. And, and it, you know, it's it feels like there's um too much of a pressure for artists to do that. Like, yeah. Even as a label, we, we'd say to artists, look, post so-and-so's play this, can you post it and all of that. Yeah. But I, 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 I really have in mind, I, you know, I don't think any good artist in history, you know, your Instagram feed or your Twitter feed is going to be archived. It's just going to be about the music at the end of the day, isn't it? And yeah. I think, if, I feel worried that people are forgetting about that. And I see so yeah. many artists, so sometimes I'm seeing artists on Twitter and I, and I think, you know, I'm on Twitter while I'm on there and all that, but I feel like, oh, you're posting so much. I just want to hear some music from you. Or hear, yeah. Like you said, if you're in a rehearsal or something, it's like, it's just too... Well, what music are you doing? What's going on at the moment as well? And it, you feel you get lost. But I don't know. It's a cra- crazy I'm, world. At the moment, no, but like, yeah, <laughs> no, I like, I definitely see that too, where I'm like, because, you know, like, it's it's a thing. Like, you, everybody wants more. Everybody wants to be the center of attention, whatever. But like, I see, you know, people that got like... 50,000, 60,000 followers, but then I look on there, I'm like, it's just a pitch, bunch of pictures of you with your shirt off and your muscles showing, or like in a bikini. I'm like, what? And I go look on Spotify, and I'm like, but you don't have any music for me to buy. I'm like, so I think that's kind of dangerous. Like, I think we should like keep that in check to where people, like, it's still like about the music, not the image of the music, and not like the persona of a rock star. It's about like making the music and getting out there and like, doing it and not just trying to look cool like I don't I feel like everybody that we look up to that looked cool was cool because they they were just themselves and be as a, as a result of them being themselves and giving you this music that it impacted you in a powerful way you were like that person's cool I want to follow them I want to dress like them I want to be you know like because you want to make I just want to give somebody that same feeling because that's how it made you feel. That's what you associate with that look. So, I mean, I think that's a good thing. You know, we've really enjoyed speaking to you and I know you're really passionate about the music and, you know, we're talking about the next uh, bits of music. So I think we're probably running out of time now. So let's just finish off with one track from The Invisible Man. Um, do you want to choose a track and then we'll play that to finish off? Oh, oh, oh. I'd rather be with you featuring Melissa McMillan that's great well uh, Sylvester thanks for joining us it's been great chatting to you very interesting as well thank you yeah thanks for having me
One world, one love, one BTN. Yo, this is Pete Rock checking out Rob Lewis. Just freeze me out 
Just like Celine Dion Catch me if you can, but you'll never catch me Damn, hold lot of yes I am All the way in with no exit plan Already left and the jet don't land Yeah, the time is ticking Come take a ride, get inside This is highly different I'm talking fly, got a pilot with him Can I mind my business? Why you tripping? Give you something that your eyes can witness Ooh, you're too close I don't understand why you're doing the most How far we came Still they throwing dirt on my name But it never worried my brain Heads turning like a hurricane Swerving till the sun get up out of my shade They don't get the picture Cut them out of that frame I'm up 30,000 miles plus change It's been a while but I'm down till I'm out And it is what it is till it ain't This is Quantic and you're listening to Robert Louis.
One BTN, 101.4 FM. So, hope you've enjoyed the show this week. Big up to Sly Fifth Ave for coming down to Brighton and um, having a little chat. And playing some tunes around that. So let me tell you what we played. Um, We had uh, California Love featuring Corey Henry and then um, in the background we had uh, Let Me Ride Instrumental Sly Fifth Ave and then we played Fall In Love Miguel Atwood Ferguson which came out of Machilla and then um, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe Sly Fifth Ave version which came out on man records on a seven inch and then we had um in the background sly fifth ave early morning sly fifth ave the edge featuring quantic and then we played clouds by prince and then in the background was uh, watermelon man jesse fisher and sly fifth ave on true thoughts herbie hancock covers and um we had the Pete Rock instrumental remix of Public Enemies shut them down in the background as well as Bigger Than Hip Hop Dead Prez which I think some people don't know I think Kanye, Kanye West um, sort of had a hand in co-producing that beat as well and we also had still D.R.E. the Ed West remix by Sly Fifth Ave in the background and then we played a couple of the recommendations from Sly Fifth Ave Phony People, 
before you get a boyfriend and then radiant children life's about and then we finished off with I'd Rather Be With You featuring Melissa McMillan on Vocals True Thoughts so yeah check out Sly Fifth Ave's album on True Thoughts The Invisible Man look out for some great music forthcoming from him um did check out some of the stuff he was playing that we're going to be putting out on True Thoughts including some incredible jazz but seriously incredible and um, some great sort of soul electronic soul type things as well so yeah he's um, a huge talent definitely somebody to look out for check out live if you get the chance as well And then um, the tunes we played after finishing that section, we had um, Mac Miller, What's the Use, into Malcolm Cato, Eastern Excursion, uh, Mo Wax release from back in the days. And then Herbert, an older tune that's just been reissued, Rude, coming out on Accidental Junior. And in the background, Carl Craig from the Versus album orchestral versions of Carl Craig tunes. This one's the melody. So keep up to date with what we're doing at True Thoughts, TRU Thoughts and across various social media. And um, my website, Robert Louie, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-U-I-S. And I've got the full playlist there, various ways to stream and check the show. And I'm down with Instagram and Twitter, Robert Louis, if you're down with any of those. You can get in touch on, um, direct to me through my website. Contact button comes direct to me. And thanks, shout out to everybody leaving comments on Mixcloud, Mixcloud or getting in touch about the radio show or uh, recommending me tunes. Always appreciated. And of course, don't forget, if you're in Brighton or planning to visit Brighton, I do my club night, my residency, second Saturday of every month. Next one, Saturday, the 10th of November. It's called True Thoughts Presents Sonic Switch at the Green Door Store underneath Brighton Station. I do a five-hour set there, mixing up the music, mixing up the styles all across the board. Good dance floor music. Been having some really good sessions this year, so hopefully uh, see you down there for the next one. So let's leave this one running for a little bit and then we're going to drop to finish off the show. Great tune. I think it's the first time, as I recall, hearing a sort of credible sort of dance act, which was Masters at Work remix, a pop act. There's not too much of Debbie Gibson in this track. It's definitely a Masters at Work tune. It's Debbie Gibson, One Step Ahead. The Underground Mix came out on Atlantic Records. It's a great tune. Whatever you're up to in the next week, have a good one. Take it easy and uh, hopefully see you next time. See you later.
You're listening to One BTN. One BTN. Hey, yo, what's up? This is Dave De La Soul. We in two thoughts with Rob Bowie right now. Peace, y'all. De La, peace. One, two, this is DJ Mason from De La Soul, and I'm hanging out right here with my and yours and his true thoughts with Rob Bowie. Salutations. Hey, yo, check it out. It's Pops Club One. I'm from the Queen De La Soul, and you're listening to True Thoughts
Sonic switch, Sonic switch, Sonic switch. 